everybody out there. This is Tyler. And this is Danny. And we're here with another episode of Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. As you hopefully know, if you're listening to us, we've been doing it for a bit now. This week will be Titan, 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 Titanium, <laughs> however you want to say it. It's all the same. It's all the same thing. If you're plugged into the horror scene, you've probably at least heard of it. I would imagine at this point. Yeah, I, I hope it, so. It, it had some good critical reviews. So, anyway, we'll get to what it's about. <laughs> we'll get to everything about that later on. We got to start off the way that we always start. And that's by getting our green hits in. Smoke some weed. Getting a little high. Danny, what is this, Jay, you brought me today? Awesome. So, the strain I brought you today is from our lovely friends over at Flower once again. And to strain I brought last week, strain we've brought, I don't know how many times over, but I brought Sour Diesel again. Okay. For those who do need a formal introduction, it's otherwise known as Sour D or Sour D's. We've said that several times before. He's yeah, it's a sativa dominant hybrid, usually about 90-10 split on that. With that being said, this strain is good for people who seek relief for anxiety, depression, chronic fatigue, stuff like that. It says, although it does consist of a little indica, it's not really recommended for those who have insomnia. Now, the flavors on this are candy notes, citrus and dank notes. You'll get a little diesel, skunky, and sweet notes as well. Those aromas are going to be about the same. THC-wise, over at Flower, this is coming in somewhere around 23%. Terpenes on this... The ones that are most prevalent are going to be your pinene, your myrcene, linalool, and humulene, which is really cool. So it's a sativa. What can you say? It's going to lift you up. Yeah, let's see. I also brought some from Flower, which I'm glad I went in Friday because when I went in this morning, they didn't have any. Although, I don't know. When, when did you go in? Because they, they were talking about they might get some in in the afternoon, and I just didn't have time oh. to get back there in the afternoon. To be honest, this is the same shit I had from last week. Okay. I've been yeah, a good yeah. boy about smoking. <laughs> that, yeah. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get in later in the weekend. So I went in Friday, and I made sure to just hold on to some J's. Nice. Hell yeah. But uh, I got some Nick the Bruiser. Okay. Yeah. I know we've had it before. Now, here's a weird one. When I look it up, I only find them talking about one strain called Nick the Bruiser that everyone describes as indica dominant. What they got at Flower is labeled <laughs> as sativa dominant. Don't know if it's going to be the same thing then. Solid point. The info I'm seeing says Nick the Bruiser was bred from Eastside OG and Fire 18. Neither of those are strains <laughs> that we normally see at Flower, so. Solid point. I don't know. So I'm not going to go too much with all the shit that I see online that's said about it. What I can point out is that theirs is testing at, oh, about 25%. Okay. And as far as terpenes, the highest is going to be uh, myrcene followed by limonene and caryophyllene. Nice. So I don't know. I've been smoking on it all weekend. I kind of liked it. Yeah. So I, I held back some, but... I don't know if we've brought it in before, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, that's it for our green hits. So just remind people, we got the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms. At the very lowest level, you could have listened to this last week. That's a dollar a month. You get every episode a week early. Whole dollar. Things go up as you head up the ranks. The $3 level is the one I would personally recommend right now because we've been doing those look back oh, episodes man, and so that's where you fun. start to get that shit. 
And then beyond that, at the $5, you basically get anything we put out. We haven't done shit like that yet for the most <laughs> part because we're lazy. I, you never but know. we'll own it. That's true. And if you're at that level, you'll get it as soon as we put it out. Plus, you got access to like the Discord and shit, which I honestly, I realize that I think I have to sign back into now that I have a new phone. <laughs> <laughs> that happens too. But we'll get to that, especially by the time you hear this episode, patreon.com slash fried squirms. With that, let's get on to, once again, all too accurate, guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts. The who and what went in the making of this movie, starting at spoiler-free, starting off with our spoiler-free setup, in case you don't know what you're getting into with this film. Oh, Jesus, what's spoiler-free for this? A young girl gets into a car crash and has to have a titanium plate installed in her head and grows up to seemingly have a bit more of a fascination with cars after that <laughs> and is uh, forced on the run while having to endure a rather strange pregnancy <laughs> that ties back around to the cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into it. Oh, absolutely. But that's what I got for now. No, hey, I like it as far as spoiler free. And of course, from week to week, we do talk about our cast and crew. And this is a director we've actually talked about before. We did a little mini episode when you and I went to the Roxy here in town and we saw her debut, Raw. And along with that, she's done the short, it's called Mange, and the television series Servant back in 2021. She's also the writer of this film. Now, the cinematographer on this is Ruben Impenz. He's known for The Misfortunates, The Broken Circle Breakdown. He was also the DP on Raw. He's also known for Black Mirror for an episode of that back in 2016 mm. and for the movie Beautiful Boy. Okay. All right. Editor on this is Jean-Christophe Poussy. He also helped on Raw and the film Maximus. All right. The music was composed by Jim Williams. Believe it or not, a gentleman we've actually talked about twice before. Once back on episode 98 because he scored Kill List. Okay. And he also scored our episode 227 review of A Field in England. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, that's pretty cool. He's also known for Down Terrace, Raw, and for Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor. Oh, shit, which yeah. I still need to watch. All right, special effects on this was done by Matt Gufflin. They helped with the visual effects. Produced by Jean-Christophe Raymond. Several production companies. I don't have all the time in the world to be going through them. All right, distributors on this were Diafana Films. They helped with the 2021 France theatrical and Blu-ray release, and Neon helped with the 2021 United States theatrical release. Had a release date on July 13th, 2021 at the Cannes Film Festival in France. Also September 23rd, 2021 at the Fantastic Fest here in the States. All right, had a budget of uh, about... It did win the Palme d'Or, right? It did, mm -hmm. it did. All right, so the budget on this was an estimated $5.7 It grossed about $5 million roughly. All right, now moving into our cast. I'll start with uh, Agathe Roussel. She plays the role of Alexia and Adrian. All right, now she's known for the film Le Voix de Kate Moss and the film Loving. All right, we have uh, Vincent Lindon, plays the role of Vincent. Uh, he's known for the films Hate, Anything for Her, and The Measure of a Man. All right, we have Garance Merillier. 
actress we've actually talked about before. She plays the role of Justine. She was the main actress in Raw. Mm-hmm. She's also in the television series Ad Vitem, which came out in 2018, and the film Warning. All right, we have Les Salamé. He plays the role of Ryan. Really only film of note. All right, we have Miriam Akedu. She plays the role of Adrian's mother. She was in the film The Kid with a Bike, Two Days, One Night, The Unknown Girl, and Young Ahmed. All right, we have Bertrand Bonello. He plays the role of Alexia's father. A few films of note from him are We Should Not Exist, Hand in Hand, Saint Laurent, and Portrait of the Artist. All right, we have Dominique Fruit. She plays the role of the old woman during the CPR scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We've actually, I don't think we talked about any of her film credits. We definitely talked about her because she was a part of our episode 51 review of Inside. She is the nurse that's smoking. Oh, fuck. I thought she looked familiar. That is her. I was like, man, you got to be shitting me. Yeah, that's her. Oh, fuck me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. She's also in Deadly Circuit and Among the Living. All right, we have Adele Guiguet. She is uh, the young Alexia. Celine Carrere. She plays Alexia's mother. And last but not least, we have Thibaut Catilafold. plays Alexia's fan. He was in Love Song for Tough Guys and A Brighter Tomorrow. And that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. Should give our listeners plenty of warnings. Well, Oof. considering we're on a run, a theme here, it's body horror. So it's body horror. That already is a given. This is one, like, it's arguable how much you want to... <laughs> you could argue that some of our warnings will be spoilers, I guess is what I'm trying right. to say. No, I, I agree with that. But we've always tried to give warnings for these episodes, so... I mean, hell, you never know. It could trigger people going into the next section, you know? We don't say it, at least. So technically, what the fan does at the beginning is sexual assault. Right, right. Though it's not... I wouldn't say it's the most extreme version of it, but no, it's, definitely, it's not the yeah, most extreme. It's, it's not consensual of it. in any manner. No, attempted abortion. Yeah, yeah. There's some weird body horror stuff. Absolutely. There's some strange sexual stuff. Yes. I'm still trying to avoid spoilers, <laughs> but I know it. She wouldn't. That's the point I'm making. If, if you're not into <laughs> seeing people administer shots to themselves oh yeah there's that language yeah (laughs) yep and just like some outright like i'll just go ahead and say this right now man if language is your biggest hiccup why are you even listening to us (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know i mean thank you but (laughs) and just like some just kind of normal killing yeah exactly uh, quote unquote normal. We're talking about horror movies, I, right? I, no, like, I know. I'm joking, but of course, <laughs> like there's there's violence perpetrated on screen. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's just yeah, we're making it sound like it's a whole lot worse than it is. It's more like it's just hard to describe. Yes, without you know, like I said, spoiling too much. So I think we're just gonna leave it at that. It's a weird car based <laughs> body horror. Yeah. Let's just make it clear the cars are important part. And uh, I guess with that, let's get in to uh, find out how Titan made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right. Titanium. Not the Sia song. <laughs> <laughs> how do we want to approach this? I mean, we never did do a full episode on Raw. No, We're still no, going to at some point. Take. 
we're still definitely going to at some point. We just kind of feel like maybe we should get a like a really good female guest for it. I think so. I think that definitely warrants more of a uh, female perspective. But I guess to start off is I dug this movie. I watched this movie and I completely understand why it won the Palme d'Or. I completely understand why the critics are so far up this movie's ass every time I fucking see something about it. I kind of like Raw more, and I would rather rewatch that. I was actually kind of a slog to go through this the second time for me. You know, I, I want to say I probably had the, the reverse on that. Like, the first time through was a little bit of a slog for me. And then the second time, because I'd watched mm-hmm. the um, the New York Film Festival, there's a and a it's like a 23-minute thing, but... I listened to what Julia Ducanon and, you know, Vincent Lindon and Agatha Roussel, what they had to say about the film and all that other stuff. And so equipped with that going into the second time, I was paying a little bit more attention, you know, normally. I was like, man, I think I, uh, I think I really like this film. I don't know if I'm ready to say I like it more than Raw. I really liked Raw. I know we both did. And that movie's, it's fucking awesome. I think this one... It'll probably like really slowly grow on me as like, man, that was a really good fucking film. And that's the thing. I think it's a really good fucking film. Yeah. I just but, uh, yeah, for two, I I mean, I'd still probably say raw out of out of both of them, but man, this is And the mood just feels different. It is. Like, it definitely is. It's a it's different tonally it's totally different. Fantastic. Right. And right. like Oh no, it's not like we're not. Duke Nora, it might be like her first two movies are both fucking home runs. You know, I was thinking about this. When I was writing my notes earlier, I was like, man, for people who make the argument, you know, there's no really solid, maybe female directors, let alone female horror directors. I'm like, Ugh, I don't know about that. I don't She's know about that. knocking it out of the park 100% right. so far. Like uh, I said, I get everything. I just, for some reason, it was a big slog for me the second time yeah. through. I'm like, I know what's coming. <laughs> and I know that there's even symbolism to, Absolutely. to investigate in this movie. And there was still a part of me that was just like, I fucking know what's coming. Yeah. Like, and it's like, this one, I think once you've seen it the first time, and you go through it the second time, it's like, you, you know what's going to happen. You know the beats. And it, it does make it kind of predictable at that point. The thing I think I took away from it, and I don't mean, we're really jumping, but the second time for me was more about the whole idea of the unconditional love, mm. you know, and, and, and all this is subjective anyway. I was like, I don't know if there was a such thing. But <laughs> it still calls into question, and that was Duquino's kind of like impetus behind this film. I mean, there's other things, but that was the theme thematically. Mm-hmm. So that was what tied when she was like doing post stuff for Raw and then thinking about her next project. She was thinking about that theme, like the unconditional love. And then... Um, yeah, then she basically said she had recurring nightmares of giving birth to car engine parts. And so with that in mind, she already had the final sequence in mind. And then she wrote, okay. yeah, I don't know if I like using the term writing backwards. It's, it's more like she had the end in mind. Now she just had to fill in the other acts, mm-hmm. you know. So that's pretty much how this film came to fruition. But, you know, depending on the type of film you're doing, writing backwards isn't a bad thing. Right, it can no, be I, a bad. Thing. I just think it's it's backwards to me. It's like uh, no one writes backwards. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm doing literal. Well, and here's the thing: <laughs> I think there's bad ways to do it. Right. No, I agree. I agree. I think the last season of Game of Thrones showed us oh, that. Oh God, probably last season of Dexter showed us that too. <laughs> oh, Penny Dreadful is probably another one too. Mm. I hate to say that, but that last season Penny Dreadful sucked. 
you know, there was an end point they were trying to get to, and everything else just kind of had to fall in line to get yeah. to that end point. Yep. But this, that end point is just a good, like, it's a good basis for oh, a, horror, absolutely. a horror movie. It's so like why already, wouldn't you want to get to that end point? Exactly. I, I like that. It's and not I, something that's already going that you're suddenly trying to shoehorn into an end point. It's... I mean, that's probably the hardest part for a lot of writers. I know I'm, I'm basing this off anecdotal stuff, but I would imagine, like, if you're writing a script, sometimes the hardest part is just writing the end. Mm-hmm. Especially in, you know, filmmaking. It's like, how the fuck do we wrap this up? She already had that in mind. So, yeah, it's just like, now I have to give this thing a whole backstory, basically. It's like, oh, just, there you go. She said uh, for her, she had, like, a year of writer's block because she didn't know exactly where to start. And she was actually friends with, uh, Vincent Lindon, and he talked about having dinner with her, and it just was just they were hanging out, just with mm-hmm. mutual friends and whatnot. And he said he didn't really consider her, and it, this wasn't like derogatory. He didn't look at her in the sense of that she's a filmmaker. He looked at her as a friend. He was thinking of her more right. like that. And then when she approached him, he thought it was a joke. He's like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> and she's like, "No, you are the guy I need for this role. I need you to work out for two years." And uh, he said he thought about, and this is kind of interesting, he said he thought about what that meant. He said not only for his career, but he thought about him getting older and this kind of invigorating some youth back into him. Mm-hmm. And he also said he didn't want any other actor in France getting his role. So he's like, yes, I'm going to take it under this premise. And then uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history with that, with those two, at least. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, so this movie. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> Just because... It's the follow-up to Raw. It's been on our radar since it was announced. It was extremely nice to finally get to it and to finally watch it, even if I do still prefer Raw. <laughs> no, that's okay. And uh, that was always a chance, you know, there was always <laughs> a chance that that was going to happen. And that's, like I so said, once again, that's fair. Super happy this still was so good. God, getting into it, though. The little kids is shit, begin with. I'm just going to go and put that up there on Front Street. <laughs> the little kids is shit. I mean, what happened... No what happened that. is, man, what happened is still, you can't fucking turn the wheel when you look over your shoulder, man. I know. What are you doing? I don't know what that was. Knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. But yeah, that was pretty violent. Pretty quick. Pretty you quick. Know. It was kind of surprising. And yeah. I And I legit thought, like, him taking his eyes off the road meant somebody else was going to hit them. See, I did too. I thought it was going to be a head-on. The dad was going to... I didn't know what to expect exactly. Because I feel like it being kind of the dad's fault... Not, kid was being a shit right, but right, like right. no you still gotta keep your eyes on the road dude and especially not fucking jerk the way you did dude oh especially when the whole point is your kid is being unsafe exactly that's like that's talking about kettle <laughs> but that's where I started wondering cause I'm like I know this movie is gonna be deeper than what we see yeah that's true partially just because of the intended audience for it. Like, this is a movie kind of intended for the festival circuit, if we're being honest. Yes, yes. Like, I know we haven't talked about what actually happens in this movie too much. We've kind of alluded to a couple things. Like, we talk about, like, the car birth and stuff. But I think the thing that stands out to me and I kind of want to get into is, like, when is a car crash not a car crash? And, like, what is this movie potentially actually about? Yeah. Because I kind of feel like the car crash... And a lot of the car things are just kind of allegories for abuse, probably sexual. Yeah, you can definitely say that. Not that this is a a huge secret or anything like that, too, but it's somewhat of a 
I guess a metaphor for like her coldness. Like mm-hmm. she's more attached to cold steel objects than her parents or you know people in the flesh, warmth, things like that. So she's become very disconnected from her own humanity and others. So yeah, she develops this fascination. But the interesting thing too is how it starts with her in the car where she's humming to the same kind of right because it does kind of start before right. I mean, you see all the stuff underneath the carriage. And then you hear her humming to the sound of the engine on the road. And that's what annoys the mm-hmm. dad at first, yeah. And then she becomes annoyed with the dad. And this is what you get. But there was already early signs of that. And then seeing her coming out of her head surgery, you know, with the, the titanium plate and coming over and hugging the car and kissing it. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's see what happens. And you were talking about that they were talking in the, the Q&A that it was kind of born out of like an idea of like the unconditional love and stuff. But in order to show that, I think, in the movie, you have to also bring up the offset of that, like a conditional love. Yeah. Which might just be why maybe I'm interpreting it as sexual abuse, because that would be a form of, quote-unquote, conditional love. I will love you. It's not actual love. But I will love you as long as you're doing something for me. Right. That's, yeah, that's, that's fucked up. But you're right, that, that is... Which is maybe... Lot. But that maybe also explains why there's times where it doesn't quite always line up. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it can line up. It's... I think it's actually kind of easy to make the argument that the baby is a rape baby. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, that's... It's not far-fetched is what I'm trying to say, too. It's and that, a- that would be part of her losing the knowledge and autonomy of her own body, in a way, as the pregnancy goes on and she... Yeah, I mean, that's... Is dealing with the body horror. Exactly. That is inherently horrific to begin with. And then you throw in the fact that this is a car that's impregnated you. That's like, what the fuck are we talking about? You know, that's even more scary. I mean, yeah, it's hypothetical. It's a fucking movie. But the point being is, it's this foreign object Mm -hmm. inside of you. I mean, you could insert, quote-unquote, any kind of foreign object, and it's still horrific thinking about what it's doing inside of you, like... You know, incubating, essentially. It, it Like, I don't think it translates one-to-one, but I think, like, when you bring up the, the idea that it was, the story was based around unconditional love, you see how these relationships mirror each other and eventually end up conjoining yep, you sure by do. the end of the movie. And I think she did a, a pretty good job of conveying that, like, those relationships. But there's a lot of ways to interpret what the bad side of that is. Yeah. Solid. And like I said, the first victim, we straight up see him assault her. Yeah, and it's like, dude, what are you doing? And that seems to be the thing to set it off, unless you're paying attention to the background info and hear that there's already been murders going on Yo. in the news. Well, here's something that was really cool, too, right, is you write about that. Is you hear about, like, was it three murders or something in the south of France? Or I think four. Four, yeah. Or, or that, that might have been the fourth. Somewhere in there. Three or four, mm-hmm. regardless. Is that, they're already giving you a little bit of background in that, so you could, even though we're making assumptions here, but uh, given who the hell she is. I was about to say, given what her line of work is, right? She's on things are going to be happening, and that's not her fault. Right, exactly. But that's kind of the point. You know, <laughs> I think, too, if I had a, maybe anybody for that matter, if we had a little bit better grasp of, certain parts because that guy does say something about the fact that he met her at like a a Mm -hmm. yacht thing so south of france you've got the english channel too so chance to reason she could have been offing people down there 
Right. You know, we don't know for certain, but I, I think it's pretty clever. Uh, but also, something I noted the second time through, I was like, oh, shit, is in one of those news reports early, I think she's, like, eating whatever. You see oh, the, the story kid. of the kid, and I'm like, ah, okay. First time through, I wasn't thinking anything of it because I didn't mm-hmm. know that was, you know, what that was going to happen. Do you remember what it was saying on the news report, though? Because it was the tenth anniversary of oh, that kid okay. being missing, yeah, and, and all that stuff. So that that was pretty much what that was about. Okay, that's what I thought it was, but I couldn't remember for sure, and I didn't make a note of it. But it lines up with kind of stereotypes we have about how you get into these professions, and some of the unfortunate truths of how you get into some of those professions. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah, a lot of casting. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be that her way of coping with it is murder. Right. And we kind of see that just continually happening. Yeah, she's a psychopath. She's become so disassociated with people, with humanity. Just because this is kind of an artsy movie, I almost even wonder if the first assault didn't actually go further. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, I, I see what you're saying. Like... The car thing was her kind of remembering back on it in a way that she can handle it. Because we get her first full-on fucking a car just <laughs> yeah. like a few minutes after. Yeah, after she washes herself mm-hmm. off and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, it's... I wonder, too, like, some of it, it could be, like, um, a shame or just a... I don't know. This Once again, like, a part of that disconnect just feels like, what the fuck? This guy slobbered all over mm-hmm. me and shit. I gotta wash myself off. And then, yeah... You go to something that, in her case, she connects to is that steel. But then I also feel like that would explain, obviously, even through only a couple scenes, strained relationship (laughs) with her father. Yeah. And if my theory holds water, to me, he is acting like he either did this once or has continued to do it at times throughout her life, you know, secretly. But... In the daylight, it kind of brings him shame. And so when, like, he has to go, like, examine her. Yeah. That scene is really awkward. Right. And it's only, like, a 10-second scene. But still, there's... But why is it so... Yeah, that kind of lets you know there probably is something there. And the way he kind of, like, creeps when she's out and about, just kind of watches her and kind of does stuff like that. Well, I think it's even supposed to be telling that before... Well, then, mom's basically not around. And is basically checked out from things, which her not caring would explain why then she still, she wanted to get revenge basically on both of them because she kills them both in the fire. I was like, you know, it's interesting thinking about, about that. But when she looks in on them, I think it's also telling just because of the kind of the movie this is and that there is at least some attention to detail that like dad's not even in the covers with mom. Yeah, I was going to say what, what I think is interesting because what this, uh, not that it's mirroring, but what it's doing, I think it's setting up how she interacts with men, women. Mm-hmm. Like, before she meets Vincent, she has a very disconnected relationship with her dad, you know, because of what we were just saying. She kills that fucking dude. Mm-hmm. But then she's seeking a relationship with Justine, you know, so that's counterpart. But she still is not fully committed either. She's not fully committed, and it always seems somehow tied to sexual stuff that sets her off. Right. So that probably is like uh, when you're a victim, typically, from what I understand with like sexual assault and stuff like that, is that it can express itself once again. You know, mm-hmm. like 
the victim can become the perpetrator at some point. And I'm not a big enough expert to know no, if this I'm is it either. or not. But when I was watching this movie, I was like, a lot of these things are kind of lining up in ways that we've seen before. Right. I'm like, so this or, isn't... like, and not just seen before in movies, but, like, oh, I mean, sadly is... happens to people. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this isn't far-fetched from reality at all. I'll tell you what, though. The Justine part, her fucking stabbing Justine is the most surprising thing I have seen on screen since the Suicide and Martyrs. Yeah, that was wild. When... That completely caught me off guard. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I never in a million years would have said that that's what was going to happen next. No, I didn't even think she, she would be one of the actresses or actors or whatever getting off in this film. No. <laughs> Considering. Plus, it's one of those awesome examples of like a jump scare done right. Because oh, it's kind of framed as a jump scare. Yeah, because it's sudden. It'll startle the shit out of you. <laughs> what the fuck? Dude, when she offs that dude right after, like, holy shit. That was yeah, brutal. That was brutal. That scene, though, that scene is fucking brilliant. Yeah. I want to back it up a second. The scene no, where we're fine. introduced to her in that one shot oh, yeah. through the fucking car show was fucking gorgeous. That one shot is amazing. Yeah, she did a great job. I mean, the I was looking well. to see if there's there's a couple places where there might have been some hidden cuts. I don't know if they did or not. Uh, but not, if not, I don't care if they did or yeah, not. Yeah, it flowed well. Yeah, it flowed well enough that I don't give a shit. <laughs> I just you know the right. kind of person to look for that once you notice it's a wonder. It's like, ooh, is it a true wonder? That's a good point, because maybe you can catch up real quick. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, nope, there there it was. Yeah. There was that cut. <laughs> and even then, like, even then, I'm not catching it to be like, oh, they fucked up uh, and they no, weren't able to do no, it. No, it was no, just no. like, it's almost just as impressive that they were able to marry it together so well. You know, that's a solid point, too. Yeah, to make it look seamless. Mm-hmm. That takes talent, so. I'm just curious if I can notice it sometimes. <laughs> no, it's interesting, because that's something I don't think a lot of people really pay attention to, but it's it lets you know kind of... I guess the mindset that you would have to have to pull that off with everybody on set for that one take, mm-hmm. it's like, that's not easy to do, dude. And the one thing I will say, I didn't I didn't look up a ton about this movie afterwards, partially just because I had a bunch of shit I still needed to read no, from my no other worries. podcast. But the little bit I did look up, I noticed a couple people had the opinion, and they're like, oh, it's kind of, it's really neat how the only scene in which she's presented super sexy is the only one where she has clothes on. And, like, whenever she's naked, it's part of the body horror. That's true. Whenever she's naked, it's part of the body horror is actually pretty neat. I didn't feel like her dancing on the car, like, she's hot, and she was doing a lot of sexy stuff. Right, right. I didn't feel like it was framed in a sexy way. No. I thought it was framed very clinically. Like, this is still just part of who she is. That's what I was going to say, yeah, exactly. And And to her, it's just, it's the job. Yeah. It's not She's like not Julia deal. suddenly put no. on the male gaze for that scene. No. Not in any way. It no. was very wide shot. Exactly. And yeah, there wasn't yeah, exactly. It wasn't like exploitative or anything like that either. So I agree with you there. And so I, I don't know. Like that's that's not a critique on the movie. That's a critique, I guess, on people online. Like <laughs> right. I don't I don't get what you're seeing in there. But. No. Man, I, I'm trying to think, like, to me, I'm really jumping here for that is is when I think of the horror in this film, yeah, it has to do with that pregnancy, but I'm thinking of it more from not just her, but from Vincent, because mm-hmm. he's already accepting. He, he sees her tits and all that stuff, but he doesn't really know you know, the whole picture, the whole gist of what she's dealing with. And it's not until, in my opinion, he sees her fucking pregnant and leaking fluids and stuff. It's like that right there. 
That's some David Cronenberg shit. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, the it is absolutely a body horror movie, and there's not many other genres you could put this movie in other than horror. It's kind of horror light. I agree, man. It, it doesn't solely rely on, I don't even want to say horror tropes, but, you know. It's almost it's more a of like a darkly surreal yeah, it does have family a family drama. Fantasy-esque. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people attribute certain like mashing of genres with this, and it's like, yeah, you can make the argument for it because it's not really one thing. It's a mix of a lot of different things. It's probably her influence, too, and being that this is a high-concept bit of art house film. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be 100% horror in the traditional sense. Right. And it's, like I said, it's not, it's definitely not, not a horror. Right, no, I agree with that, too. It's like, there's some horrific shit going on. But what I'm watching is a movie of a girl who had a shit relationship with her parents to the point where she kills them. I know, isn't that fucked up, too? <laughs> Coincidentally, in a fire. In a fire, who learns to be a part of a family again by a man who is so broken that he's willing to accept her as his son. Right. Just so that he doesn't have to feel alone. alone. Exactly. Which, I think that was probably the most, oh, I hate to say most, but one of the more clever mm-hmm. <laughs> aspects of this film is, is having that character who is so heartbroken and just alone, sad, and also on top of it, just in a firehouse full of young dudes, just oozing machismo and mm-hmm. testosterone and all that shit. So he's also feeling... Probably a little old. That's why yeah. he's shooting, you know, roids up, yeah, and whatever up his butt cheeks. <laughs> but it's like it makes sense because at this point he's doing anything he can to sustain some kind of semblance of youth. And, yeah, when he takes her in, it's like, oh, yeah. And then here's the thing. That part gets even better. This is why I say I understand completely why critics just fucking lap this movie up. Yeah, yeah. Because that part's even more complicated because... Even though he's so broken, he's willing to accept her as his son just to not be alone. In a big way, that's also the start of him being able to truly heal. Oh, 100. Because that's him having, as a prerequisite, whether he acknowledges it out loud or not, he has to acknowledge his son is gone to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, there's a scene I wanted to ask you about, too, because I may have misinterpreted or... There's a scene with he, Vincent, and Ryan. So he knows his son died in the fire, right? That's what I'm thinking, dude. I asked. That's the only way that scene can be interpreted, I asked, right? I asked Patrick, because he had seen this not too long ago. He was one of the guys I told you was curious about our opinion. That's why I'm almost wondering, like, if there's something more to that news report that I missed. I'm wondering. I don't know. I, I asked him because my first time through, and I was, I think, maybe half an hour from finishing it, but enough to where I'd seen that scene at least, right? And I was wondering. I was like, man... It makes me wonder if, yeah, if his son was caught up in a fire and he's seen it and couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, so he just feels like he failed. Right. And, and he's not willing to... Right, he's not willing to, whatever, cope, I suppose? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, give himself time to grieve and heal over the, you know his son's loss. So, yeah, it makes me wonder. Because that scene, she wouldn't have put that in there without having a reason. Right, right. And that's the thing. That's why I said, like, the complicated relationship is so wonderful because it's not just them. Because I feel like them learning to be a family is, like, the Disney version. (laughs) Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. The fact that them learning to be a family is intertwined with feelings of inadequacy from him and feeling of rage from her because she's always been expected to have to do something to get this reaction from somebody is coupled with the fact that he's actively actually starting to heal even though he's going into this weird relationship. Yep. Whereas but, she's having to deal with gosh, the pregnancy. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, exactly. I don't think Whether she, or not that's allegorical, I'm not sure. No, I was just saying, I don't think she gives a shit one way or, or another about any of her victims, right? No. Like, she doesn't feel any way about that. She's more consumed with the whole pregnancy and, yeah, being on the run. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, she's just... I don't even know how concerned she is with being on the run because she is doing the worst job in the world of trying to act like this dude's son. (laughs) She isn't trying to fit in in any aspect of anybody's life. No. The only thing is, what I meant by that, is like, (laughs) she's probably just doesn't want to get caught at that point. That's that's what I meant by that. But yeah, other than that, it's like, yeah, no. She's just using this guy as a way to get the fuck out of that situation. I also feel like the weird fireman disco might be allegory for something, and I have no fucking idea. Well, why. all right, I had it. This shouldn't be a surprise, and I'll say this too because this is back my little theory here. Mm-hmm. Is this film was also nominated for the queer palm door? <laughs> okay, so with that being said, I had to, I had to set that up because. I was like, man, this film has some very homoerotic moments well, the, in it. Her only consensual sexual situations are with women in this movie other than arguably a weird dramatic look between her and vincent towards the end right but outside of that yeah and And everything else with dudes is non-consensual no in this entire flick the few times that we see the firehouse dance sequences is like a bunch of bros hanging out (laughs) it's like all right but i think the reason she was doing that it, it was more about like gender fluidity and things like mm-hmm. that because yeah, I mean this character's going from concealing a pregnancy to becoming trying to become a boy well look and here this is kind of awesome in its own way is just that there's no there's no questioning at any point like the previous sons seem to be somewhat gender fluid yeah I mean he was wearing his mommy's dresses and stuff and that's there's nothing wrong with that it's just it is a part of this this film's little bit of a, a thread in it you know yeah, and it's not even that it's a little bit of a thread in it. It's it's completely okayed by the film. Right. The father yeah. is immediately like, like she's scared for a second. She's like, I was just found. She's just like, oh great. Like, uh oh, boys aren't supposed to wear dresses. I'm supposed to be pretending to be a boy right, right. now. Right. But he's like, you're definitely my son. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, no, like this is cool. Like whatever. Yeah. Where, where were you going? Gonna. I always let you do this. Yeah, and I think that's that's another really cool thing that she did about this film is like, it doesn't really matter, and it's kind of. It's, to me, it's a little bit of, um, I don't know. It, it's interesting that the sentiments that those guys in the firehouse have, like, they think he's probably queer or whatever. Mm-hmm. She. But at the same time, they're, like, exuding all this, like I said, this very homoerotic, latent <laughs> kind of stuff. Here's the fucked up thing. And why, like, I think that kind of also fits in. At the end... The end sequence is triggered by another bout of vehicle sex with the fire truck Mm -hmm. after she was dancing sexy in front of all the bros. Yeah, that was too much. When she assaulted by one of them. Mm. 
well, you know, those two dudes drug her off. Yeah. And I was like, "Ah." exactly. Right. So I think she's doing a very clever way of maybe hiding the real stuff that's going on with a little bit of illusory Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be that because that still plays with the idea of like the, you know, unconditional versus conditional love. Right, right. But one way to interpret conditional love. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting because you're right. I mean, you think about what you said earlier after she was uh, assaulted by that dude at the beginning, goes and have sex with the car. It would make you wonder, at least assume in this case, yeah, probably something akin to that happened. Mm-hmm. Why else would she go? The only other thing I could maybe attribute it to Because it is, seems like if you're there, you have to be exuding fucking right. oh, total bro all the time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, Jesus Christ, guy. Because here's the other thing I don't get, and I think you're going to agree with me on this. <laughs> okay. The bros all act weirded out that she's doing that, right? True. However, <laughs> I think we've both been in situations with lots of fucking broed out dudes before. Oh, no, without a doubt. If you're hanging out and somebody throws on a stupid fucking slow, sexy song like that, somebody's going to start dancing sexy and that's going to be the joke. Of course. You're all going to be fucking cracking up. Somebody might like make it rain on them. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's, it's all in fun. It's in jest. And Everybody's that was the, that was it. the one part of this movie I kind of checked out. Cause I was like, they wouldn't be acting like that. I've <laughs> no. been with a group of dudes like this. Of course. The and go-to joke is to start dancing sexy. Of course. That's almost low-hanging fruit. <laughs> See, that's that's why it made me wonder, like, what was she really saying about these guys in this house? Mm-hmm. It's like if they're getting turned off by a sexy dance. Even, you know, it doesn't have to be sexy. It can just be funny. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's... If right. anything, she was selling the joke. <laughs> of course. I thought it was cool because she did see... Uh, what was it? Ryan... Right before, mm-hmm. and he's arguably the only one who knows for like for sure. Was he dead? I was wondering that too. I was like, "Well, all right, but let's." Like Vincent set him up, right? I was gonna say that, dude. I think he did. I think he set him up because he knew that this guy was probably going to spill the beans or push the issue too much. Yeah, and he's like, you know, like what? was that the death disco that they were at? Yeah, you could. I think so, dude. I think that's a good way of interpreting that too, yeah. You know, maybe that was like like I said, there's there's a little bit of I feel like there's a little bit of this shamefulness or like this I don't know, this secrecy that they're trying to keep, you know, mm-hmm. uh in terms of not just her, but the fact that they you know, you don't want to exude too much femininity in that house, you know. So Vincent sees what she's doing, dancing and stuff, and he turns around and walks the fuck out. Like a little bit later on he winds up setting his fucking chest on fire. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering... Like, and then pussies out. Right. And that's like, <laughs> that. how much of that is just like, you know, feeling ashamed of yourself for buying into this idea, like, I could be this vulnerable, you know, and then be fucking betrayed right in front of my face. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> my son doesn't do it like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my point being is like, they both resorted to, to acting out. Like, he set himself on fire. She arguably was raped by the fire truck. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, so both of those, you could say, is it's a part of that conditional love and part of that probably feeling of shame and guilt and stuff like that. So that was my little interpretation on it. Yeah. And I don't know. With where I was going, like I said, I've already 
I've already said rape, baby. <laughs> but maybe, still. maybe not. I feel like the pregnancy also might be I mean, allegory be... for something else. Right. I'm not sure. I, I yeah, that's a good. Uh, these would be good questions for her if we can get her on the show. Yeah, <laughs> she listening, Julia. But what I did really like about this film too is, <laughs> and this is coincidentally where I put it on pause my first time through, was when the mother of Adrian comes mm. and learns the truth, and she tells him. Or she tells her, Alexia, that is, straight out. She's like, well, I don't give a fuck who you are. It's like, you need to take care of him, right? Yeah, if you're going to do this. Yeah, take care of him. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're, they're throwing out little lines like that. He even says a line where he's asking her to, you know, put one of the shots in his cheeks. <laughs> and, I don't know, he gets, he kind of lashes out at her really quick and he ducks his head and he, you know, and he's like, I take care of you, not the other way around. <laughs> So, I mean, little stuff like that. They're saying mm-hmm. little things like that in this line that let you know that that, that bond's already there. It continues to strengthen throughout the film. And that, yes. that's what I, I enjoyed about this film because it's like, I, it's like, is she going to fucking kill this guy? What is, what's, is he going to kill her? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? You know, I, I didn't think it was going to be this story of, of these two, you know, lonely, desperate people in, this, in both of their situations finding that unconditional love. You know, and then him, and this very interesting, almost obtuse way of like getting a son back. <laughs> you know, it's like it's a very interesting, really weird way of, <laughs> I guess, a, a like a redemption story in a way. Right. I yeah, I see what you're getting at. One of the the most subtle surreal things about this movie is whenever she's in costume as Adrian. And it's not just her and Vince together. Like, she's down at the firehouse or something. Yeah, yeah. Her disguise is perfect. It's only around Vincent that she's ever having to actually try to... <laughs> right. ...to, like, hide her pregnant butt belly and stuff. I know. That's that's good. That's... Which makes solid. me also wonder, like, what is the pregnancy then? Yeah, I, there's... There has to be something in there where she's... She's probably mixing in some kind of allegorical mm-hmm. thing, Yeah. To what degree? I don't know. It's hard to say, but right. I think there is something there. I think you're onto something, but I think you're you're also. It could. I mean, it could be as easy as, like, hate. Yeah, yeah. You like definitely. her own death is looming. Exactly, it's like the inevitable and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean that too. I think with the body horror thing too, and just kind of like what we were doing with the fly last week. It's like it doesn't have to be just a, a straight literal interpretation mm-hmm. of the film. It's like. It, there's a lot of metaphors and allegories in here and symbolism in this film to where you can derive a lot of different things. And I think you could attribute it. It could also just be a straight up pregnancy to a fucking car baby. Right, right, right. Because she's having sex with cars in this movie. <laughs> exactly. Apparently that's how it works. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But, uh, you, you know. You think it, she takes it in the tailpipe? <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I just, man, I I find the whole premise without, like, seeing the film at first, like, you mean this this gal's gonna get pregnant by a car what the fuck are you talking about you know and that already conjures ideas and images and mm-hmm. you know what the film is probably gonna entail but no nah, i was like so once again i didn't think it was going to be about this bond between these two characters right but once again I, I i see what you mean too is like i completely understand why people lap it up in terms of critics you don't even have to be a fan of horror to enjoy this film that's kind of the interesting thing too about this film it's like yeah it's it's got some pretty gnarly scenes in it, but 
if you just take away that relationship, then, yeah, I mean, that's more akin to, like, dramas and shit like that. Her fucking killing spree in the beginning, her getting fucking tired halfway through was the best thing. I know. She's like, that I'm, was so fucking I'm wiped. good. <laughs> I'm wiped. I'm wiped. She, like, at least she was honest. Yeah. She's like, I just took out Justine. I just took out homeboy downstairs. Sorry, homie, I got to take you out. And then the girl comes running out. So that guy was lucky. She, <laughs> because uh, if she was somewhere in the first two. That was She was done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But, um, yeah, man, she was brutal. And dad probably, you know, once again, I bet you dad, her dad probably knew some of that shit that she was doing as well because of their conditional right. love, their relationship. It would only make sense to, you know, to a degree. And she's like, I got to get rid of this motherfucker. <laughs> my mom doesn't give a shit. She's letting him do this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my parents are cold. I live in a cold world. <laughs> so, yeah, it makes sense. Oh, dude, I, <laughs> I got to mention it. I can't believe we haven't talked about it yet. What do you think, or what is your opinion, maybe one of the funniest scenes in this film? Or do you have one? Oh, shit. I mean, I mean, I just, I love her being tired. Like, I think that's <laughs> one of the funniest fucking bits in the movie. I, uh, I thought it was a good use of, like, dark comedy, having the the mother whose son is OD'd, <laughs> mm. and they're doing the whole Macarena thing. Oh, right. That was good. <laughs> and then they bond over it, because mm-hmm. she helped save that life or whatever. I was like, man... The way that, the way they did that, it's like, you know, you walk in, this dude's looks like he's dead, <laughs> and the mom's she's like, so reactive. I was like, man, that is so fucking wild. Can you imagine walking in on that? And at right. first, she didn't even want to be there. Right. And then she's having to learn to do CPR through the Macarena. It's like that's it's fucking <laughs> silly as shit, but it's it's still pretty good. Also, like. They seem to be offbeat or something. Like, that doesn't line up. You stand alive, motherfuckers. Uh, 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 exactly. Uh, uh, I mean, maybe it's the French way doing the right. CPR. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm going to do I'm staying alive. That's an easier one to do. And it's valid. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I like that scene. I thought it was, it was silly, but it was funny. And getting to see um, that actress again, I was like, that's so funny. Didn't even realize that was her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Tell us all the credits as well, but. The, uh, what do you think about the, the birth itself? That was fine. I thought it was going to be. I thought, yeah, I, th- it I thought it would be too. It's like when she started leaking and stuff and seeing his reaction, but then him stepping in, I was like, oh, yeah, it's not going to be horrific. And I'm glad we at least got to see like the metal spine and shit. Yeah. Like, I kind of. Man. I felt like it was something that was hinted at the entire movie and then they kind of pulled back. Yeah, exactly. I don't think she committed 100% into that. I think. Like I, said, I don't even really think that was her intention anyway. It's just it's more or less just like just the whole relationship thing. We've already mentioned that the unconditional love theme mm-hmm. that's coming straight from her, right? Like I don't know. It was it was like a, a Chekhov's gun that shot, but it shot a blank. Yeah, exactly. Like you still got the bang, pow. But like <laughs> nothing. Yeah, really it was came it was out. a blank. I know what you're saying. It, yeah, it would have been cool to see all of that. But that's I think that's us as horror fans really wanting to see some cool shit. I, I, man, I would really would have liked to seen, you know, if, if I was going to do a, a an imagining of that pregnancy, seeing her kind of more like, you know. Rip she, open? Yeah, because they was starting to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, her digging and clawing at herself. It's like, ooh, that's starting to get pretty gnarly. But, yeah, it never really 100% commits to it. Just enough to, I don't know, maybe give it the heebie-jeebies for a second. And that's about it. Right, right. Yeah, I think more or less it's like, 
I don't even think you're supposed... Honestly, you're not supposed to empathize with her because she's a fucking serial killer to begin with. Right. You know? But you can still... You can, to an degree, but at sympathize least, with what she's going through. And it's one of the... Like, you can sympathize with what she's going through. And it's almost like at least her death is also helps bring forth something else that has a new shot. Exactly. And that's kind of what I... I mean, as, as traumatic and as fucked up as all that stuff is, you know what I mean? It's still giving this person, and this kid too, right? Mm-hmm. A chance, at least. Because from what we understand, or at least what we understand with this character, Vincent, is he's going to take care of that kid regardless. Right. So, yeah. He would have took care of her too. Exactly. And there's no guarantee she would have still been a serial killer. But if you're going to choose between saving a serial killer and saving the baby... Sorry, gal. Keeping the baby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it would have been kind of neat to see a little bit more body horror in, in terms of that. But I think just just the whole concept of, like, having a, a car baby <laughs> inside of you. Like, that's horrific enough. And then it begs the question, too, is, like, even though she had that titanium plate in her head, how the fuck... It's probably because of pregnancy with the, the car where... Part of her belly and stuff is getting that mm-hmm. chrome and stuff. So that's the only thing I can make sense of. Other than that, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't think that's how it works. I don't know if I have too much else on this, though. No, I, I didn't want to say, like, if I think if you're on the fence for whatever reason about seeing this, yeah, maybe give Raw a chance first to see if you, whether or not you want to venture into this. Like, if you're this far, you've probably already seen it. But... Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it makes me wonder, like, if she's going to continue this thread, like, with that theme thematically right. in her next films. Because chance to reason this is not her last film. No, <laughs> there is right, no fucking exactly. way. No, there's no way. So it makes me wonder, like I said, what she's going to do next, whether she wants to stay in the genre or if she wants to explore other stuff. I mean, I hope she stays in the genre, to be quite frank. And if she wants to continue with body horror, I'm all for it. I'm just wondering how much she wants to commit to it. Right. You know, like perfect example is Cronenberg. I mean, it's, what else can you say in that that regard? But I mean, he commits to when he's going to do body horror. He commits to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you still get the story, like the metaphors and the allegories and the symbolism in his films. I'm not saying that you don't with her, but she doesn't fully commit to the body horror. It's more. Yeah. It's more about the relationships. Agreed. So next week. I'll be Patreon only. Yeah, so we gave you plenty of warnings, guys. Found? Are we up back (laughs) up to found? Yeah, wow, dude, that's so awesome. The story of a young boy realizing his brother is a serial killer? Talking about relationships and serial killers, right? Oof. It's been a while since I've seen this. I'm excited to get back to it. Yeah, heck yeah. I can still just conjure the last image from that movie to my mind anytime. It's burned its way in there. Yes. And the fact, too, that it uh, there was a film within the film. Yes. And we will eventually make it back to Headless, too. <laughs> yeah, that'll take will. a long, longer, lot longer. Yeah. But, you know, eventually, eventually somewhere down the road, we'll get to it. So what I think is fun about this, and this gives our listeners a chance to, like I said, to go ahead and jump on that Patreon so you can check it out if you haven't already and uh, get to hear our, our second thoughts on this. That's right. But that's all I got for this week. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms. Out.
Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.